Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. Okay, so hold on, hold on. Um, I'm a, I got a different translation for my homies so they can understand. I actually wrote a different translation because I need you to read this one. Yeah, this is for all my, all my boys. Some of them locked up. What's up, man? <laughs> I didn't know they had internet in jail. You're awesome, dude. Congratulations. So I need you to read the, 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 um, the homie version of... Yeah, it's like the right there. It's you read the, this right here? Yeah. Okay. The, new, the new homeboy translation. If you can read that, <laughs> you're awesome. So read yours. And then go ahead and read, not yours, read ours, because everybody got the Bible. I said it sounded like it was his because he got on a suit. No, it's everybody's. So read what's in the Bible and then read my translation just so everybody can get it. You know what I'm saying? North Fort Work, what's up? Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. Mm-hmm. Read mine, go ahead. Pete and John rolled up to the spot about 3 o'clock. Bang. There you go. Right? Right? They rolled up to the spot about 3 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. Read the next verse. Go ahead. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. Okay. Go ahead. Read my version. There was a dude with a limp that wasn't a pimp. Mm -hmm. Because he had a limp, but he wasn't a pimp. Because a pimp sometimes walked like he got. I ain't going to explain, man. Read the thing, dude. I think I'm going to change a little bit. Uh, There was a dude with a limp that wasn't a wimp. Yeah, no. Read it as is, please. Okay. A dude with a lamp that wasn't a many, pimp was you, chilling. Read, hold on a second. Can you put a little something on it when you read it? Okay. Little, I'm just trying to figure this out. A dude with a lamp that wasn't a pimp was chilling on the flow. <laughs> on the flow, man. Like, we standing on the flow right now, dude. You don't... Go ahead, <clears throat> man. Trying to make some cheddar. Cheddar. Cheddar? Cheddar, man. He's trying. Dude, okay. you got the other translation. What you looking at me for right now? <laughs> oh. I thought I was just going to read the Bible. Yeah, well, okay. uh huh. I guess you okay. had an alteration to your expectations now, didn't you? Thank you. <laughs> you want me to go on? All right, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. Bang. Go ahead. Read mine. So they started mad-dogging him, like, what's up with you, dog? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Stop right here. Do it again. Just put a little, you know, just something, a little more. Just slow down a little bit. That's all I'm just saying. And then maybe read it with a little emphasis, like something might happen. Go ahead. Like a little rhythm? That would be awesome. I don't do rhythm. Okay. I'll try. So they started mad-dogging him like... Hey, what's, what's going on with your leg right now? I don't understand what... <laughs> what just happened? Y'all, anybody... Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to let you I'm read. To, I'm trying to read some rhythm. I just thought... I didn't know. I didn't know if you need the Heimlich, because I didn't know... <laughs> I didn't know what happened. Okay, go ahead. So they started mad-dogging him like, what's up with you, dog? He was like... I ain't tripping. 
I'm just trying to get my loot on. Okay. So what just happened? So at this point, it's not about the story. At this point, it's about what we just experienced. When Pastor Steve came up here, everyone had expectations of what it would sound like when he read the Bible. But then we made an alteration to your expectations, and then you had a revelation, and we all laughed together. So an alteration to your expectation, and then we had a revelation. So really, that's what translations of the Bible are supposed to do for us. So there's an alteration in your expectation, and then you have a revelation, and you respond to it. It's one of the reasons that, you know, you may notice at Crossroads we use the message version, ESV, NRSV, NIV, NASB, the King James Version, the New King James Version, the Dewey Rhymes Version. Just never know what we're going to do because we want to make an alteration in your expectation so that you have a revelation. Because the Bible says that Jesus is the Word. And if you get attached to words on a paper, you're going to get attached to words on a paper and not attached to the Word. That could actually alterate your expectation and give you a revelation of who God is. Because God is living. The Bible is a representation of God's movement in our midst. So what's new, everybody? The Word of God is new every single morning. And every time you crack the pages, God has something fresh and new to say. So let's just get a little alteration of our expectations so we can have some revelation. Sensation. Bomb, chicka, bomb, 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 bomb. You never know when a rap's going to come out. Because A.W. Tozer, Scott, said to us last week, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And the truth is, if you have been growing in a loving relationship with God, you're going to know something new about God on this very day. Because God loves you today. And God woke you up with new morning mercy today right? And so if we get stuck in our old ways, our own traditions, our old ways of knowing God, you're not going to know God today. Like if Scott, you know, who loves me more than any other human on the planet would say to me, you know, like, I, I, I loved you yesterday. Isn't that good enough? I'd be like, hold up. We've got some work to do. We might need to get ourselves some help because the truth is, is that he knows me, but he doesn't know me yet today. I will surprise you before the day is up. I know, I know, I promise. And so when you think about what's new, we're talking about a new wardrobe right now. Can you all say new wardrobe? And we're going to talk about the belt of truth. Can you say click it or ticket? Right? You've seen those little things. It's like if you're not wearing your seatbelt, if you don't click it, you're going to get a ticket. And there is this um, part of the new wardrobe God's given you that is the belt of truth. Will you stand together for the reading of God's word? Let's read from Ephesians chapter 6 together. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Can we wait a minute? So when you see the word finally, that means there's a whole bunch of stuff that's been said before that. And how many of you love the book of Ephesians? So it is the Rolls Royce of the New Testament. I'm just telling you, the the epistles that Paul wrote, Ephesians tells you what your mission is, but it also tells you about how God wants to lavish God's love on you, seat you in heavenly places so that finally you can be strong in the Lord. Like you can't get to finally be strong in the Lord unless you read Ephesians 1 through 5. And you actually find out that you've been seated in heavenly places, that you actually have been lavished with God's grace, that you are chosen, you've been adopted, my friends. This by God, 
like King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so one through five says who you are. It tells you all about what's been given to you, giving you the mission, but then says, can you say finally? finally. All right, now look at, now say it like you would say to your kid, finally, finally, right? Get this one, get this, I want you to get this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh. Stop. It's not your mama, not your sister, not your husband, not your wife, not your child, not your boss, not the person that you want to say, you do that again and we're going at it. It is not against flesh and blood. This is what the book of Ephesians will tell you. Take the time to read it. It'll only take you 15 minutes. But then you'll want to study it for a month, I guarantee. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles, by the way, are schemes. Schemes of the enemy. So here's what I want to say. You know, like when someone does something wrong to me, I want to forgive them immediately. But when I find out they've been scheming to do something wrong to me, like they've been actually taking the effort to try to trip me up, to try to see how they could wreck my family, my kids, my grandkids, my church. If I find out you're scheming, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to the Father about that. I'm not going to fight with you, but I'll tell you what, I'll be, it, I'll be praying some things into existence. I'll be calling the hot burning coals of kindness on your head. I'll be calling for God to wake us all up to the love of God. Are you with me? So I'm telling you, I will forgive you, but if you're scheming, we got a whole nother thing to do. All right, don't get scared. I am wearing my combat boots today, though. For our struggle is not against the enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness. If you've never read This Present Darkness by Frank Peretti, or if you haven't read it in a long time, pull it out. It is a fictional book written by somebody who knows this is not fiction. That there are forces of evil. I don't know. Hey, friends, did you watch the news this week? What happened in New York and Iowa? I just want to say to you, I will run to rescue those who are led to slaughter. And, and I will say that God has called the church to protect children who have no voice. And it's not by might and it's not by power, but it is by God's spirit. And I will say to you that when we're legalizing abortion until the day of birth, the ninth, the ninth month, when a court can overthrow a governor's signature in Iowa to protect the heartbeat of living children, I want to say it's a wake-up call for the church, my friends. I want to say, listen, don't get mad at people. Women get deceived. All kinds of people get deceived, but there is a force at work behind the systems of this world. There is a force at work behind the systems of this world. If you've never gone to court before, you might not know what I'm talking about. But if you've ever had to watch that process, you know that there is evil behind the systems of this world. Am I talking right, Deb? You're in court all the time protecting babies and families. There is evil at work. Don't get mad at people. Your enemy is not people. Your enemy is the forces of this world. And it is high time that the church said, we're here, we're showing up. We're showing up for prayer. We're showing up for duty, God. And you just lead me and guide me into all truth. And pray for that governor that had the courage to say, if there's a heartbeat, it's a life. 
Because if the, it really, if the law says you stop a heart, you've killed someone, then let's, let's, just, let's just say to God, how can we be the presence of love on this earth to protect innocent children and women who don't know that they're the victims of an evil system? So let's just breathe that in for a minute. Our struggle isn't against people. Not, it's not against judges. It's against a system. But against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now let me say something about heavenly places. Do you know you're two places at once right now? The Bible says you are seated in heavenly places, but you're also in Marshall, Michigan at church right now. And do you know that you can actually tap into what's happening in heavenly places and start praying prayers that are empowered by the Spirit? That is fabulous. Like, God, how do you want me to pray? How do you want me to show up in this present darkness? I mean, you can name the, your, the darkness you're aware of right now by the, whatever you're watching. But don't show up in combat boots and get mad at people. Wear your combat boots in your prayer closet and say to God, how would you like me to show up with the good news of the gospel to tell people they are loved, to tell people that you are for them and not against them? Amen? You got to preach back this whole time because this is not a sit-down message. In fact, we may never sit down today. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day. And having done everything, stand what? Firm. Firm. I mean, we got to help the church strengthen their core. We've got so much bad posture in the church right now. We have got to strengthen our core. What is the truth you believe? Who is the truth you believe? Because Jesus said it, I am the way, the truth, and life. He said, stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth on your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as the shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. And with all of these, say it, friends, take the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Do you know that, I won't talk to you about that right now. That'll be another week. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. So, you know, a lot of people think the armor is just those six pieces, but I got to tell you, prayer, don't even, don't even get dressed and not pray. I mean, it'd just be kind of silly. You'd be walking around looking silly. Because look at, look at this. This is, this is what Paul's talking about. Because in that day, the people in Ephesus knew what a Roman soldier looked like. Knew the kind of weaponry that Paul was talking about. Talking about this. I mean, when you think about, wow, you know, why is the, the belt of truth the first thing to put on when you got all this other cool stuff we could talk about first? Like the shield, actually three people could stand behind it. Did you know that? And how about that cool feather on top of the, on top of the Roman soldier's head? No. First, gird yourself. Buckle yourself. Get the truth on. Because the reality of that belt of truth was you couldn't, you couldn't put your sword anywhere but here. You couldn't take your sword with you, which was like three, four feet long, if you didn't have a place to put it. So I just want to say, click it or ticket, go ahead, tell somebody, and you can be seated. 
I have so much compassion for the parents of this day because every time I try to put my grandchildren in these car seats, I think I'm gonna, their, their skin's gonna get buckled, I'm gonna bruise them, CPS is gonna come. I mean, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? Like, they, they got this whole thing, correct, incorrect. Do you know what we did with Don Coppa when he was a baby? He had a car bed. It was like a little square box, looked like a, really it was made out of cardboard, and, right? You know what I'm talking about, Kathy, don't you? Probably you put Wendy in one of those. Just lay it on the back seat. There's no, no, you know, but, but we know better now that there's a correct way to protect children, right? But man, they always do this limpy thing or this stiff you up thing, you know, they're, you can't get them in it, right, parents? It's true. It's like, Lord have mercy, but we know that these belts are important to protect these kids, Every time you get on an airplane, they say, you know, they stand there. It's like, we are adult people. Are you really going to show me how to put together a seatbelt buckle? Make sure it's low and tight and pull the strap. You know, every time you're on an airplane and you really should watch because you might forget. But they're telling you how to wear the belt there, right? So we realize that there is importance in this idea of being belted. But the belt of truth, I want to say the Amplified says, stand firm, hold your ground, having tightened the belt of truth around your loins. The New Living Translation says, stand your ground, putting on the sturdy belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. The New King James Version says, stand therefore, having girded your waist. Now, you might not want to say that today. You probably should just read the New Homie Boy translation and find out how to get your groove on or something like that. I'm not sure how they would say to buckle it. But I want to say what we need to know is that we need truth in a time where truth is vague. At a time where everybody's trying to say, well, that's your truth. No, well, that's my truth. Well, that's, no, there is truth. Right, polygraph examiner back there? There is truth and there is a lie. And we need to know the difference. See, the foundation of our faith must be rooted in these truths, that truth protects you, truth is for you, truth will hold you, and truth will set you free. When we're walking around in deception or the spirit of this age, not knowing what God thinks about what God thinks about, we will not be free when we live in the truth. You know, I, I want to tell you, I have, enjoyed, I have enjoyed 37 years of marriage with Scott because we've lived by the truth that we were to be faithful to each other, that we were to wake up and pray together, that we were to bless one another, that when we injured one another, that we would repent to each other. That's truth that will hold you, and it's truth that will set you free. It'll give you the blessing of a really good life, a really good relationship, a really good friendship, a really good working relationship. The truth will set us free, right? Blaise Pascal said, and he's really old, centuries old. Look him up. I'm sure that Mike will do it. When the truth is an inconvenient truth, right? Mikey always helps me. When the truth is an inconvenient truth, people throw it off. And that was said centuries ago. It's not brand new this week in America. When it's an inconvenient truth, people say, well, we're just not even going to deal with that. We're just not even going to pretend there actually is a truth. We're just going to all be friends. We're all going to be tolerant. We're all going to be kind and not tell the truth. And I have to tell you, friends, God needs the church to stand firm in kindness, to stand in our prayer closets and pray.
I would just say, if you are not intimately acquainted with God who is truth, you will match your truth to what is convenient and comfortable at any given moment. Yeah. If you're not intimately acquainted with the God who is truth, you will match your truth to whatever is convenient and comfortable in any given moment. So we got to ask, what is a lie? What lies are we believing? How do I lie to myself? How big, how small a lie? So just do a little inventory. Write yourself a little note. This week, I'm going to check and see what lies I've been believing. I'm just going to check it out. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to see what lies have I been believing. Is it a big lie? Is it a small lie? You know, like I always say to Scott, don't tell me this dress looks good on me if it doesn't. Or I can't trust you. You know what I mean? Say, yeah, that that dress, that's not, that's not the best dress for this moment. <laughs> but don't tell me something looks good on me, right? Because I'm standing in front of a mirror. I got eyes. And I say, yeah, no, that was fine five years ago, but tell me the truth, right? And he's working on it because he's so awesome. But you got to know what lies do you tell yourself? What lies do you tell other people just because it's inconvenient or uncomfortable? Because truth girds us. It's actually what girds everything up and keeps our weaponry in order. We've got to put on truth first. Why? Because there is a father of lies. Here's what Jesus said. You are from your father, the devil, and you choose to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in truth because there's no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks according to his own nature, for he's a liar and the father of lies. Do we need to get more clear here? right? But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Anyway, we could go on and on about that. So what we know is that there are lies that are happening and we've got to deactivate the enemies, the lies in your life and strap on the belt of truth. The evil one has no power over truth. So, you know, when you think about that, when you think about what are the evil strategies against your family, what are the evil strategies against your community? I mean, you got to know that there are different evil strategies over Las Vegas, Nevada, than Washington, D.C., right? Than Des Moines, Iowa, than Marshall, Michigan. You can pick it up. This present darkness, stand in the evil day. I just want to ask you, what is the evil of this day? Um, I talked to a young mom yesterday who told me something that was going wrong in a particular school system. And I just said, so have you contacted your school board? Because that's how you can stand firm in the evil day. Right? It doesn't mean you have to fix it all, but it does mean show up and stand firm and say, here's what the truth is. When there's something going on in your marriage, in your friendships, if something is not right, don't be a wimp. Stand firm. Begin to pray and say, God, how would you like me to show up here? How would you like me to bring the good news here? Evil one has no power over truth. See, just as the world is becoming more aware of its need, the church is becoming less aware of its mission. Now, this is John Stott, we think, who probably wrote this in 1975. So I just want to say, whether it's Blaise Pascal or it's John Stott today or it's, you know, Claire Lorge talking to you this morning, what we need to realize is the world is very aware of their need, right? 
I mean, just look on social media. People will tell you what they're suffering with. But what needs to happen is the church needs to become more aware of their mission. Like, how do you want me to show up right now, God? What is it? How would you like me to show up for this? You know, you work at a hospital. How does God want you to show up in the hospital for the goodness of the hospital, for your business, for your family, right? See, Isaiah 59, 14 says it this way. Our courts oppose the righteous. Makes me so mad. And justice is nowhere to be found. Truth stumbles in the streets and honesty has been outlawed. This is Isaiah 59, everybody. There has always been something happening that needed the people of God to stand firm. Always. It's not brand new. The devil has been up to the devil's schemes as long as the, since the devil slithered into the garden on the first day. It's just the truth. And if we are unwilling to say that there is an evil happening in this day, we won't enjoy the freedom and the truth that God has for us to show up and bring truth into the streets. Right? And we don't give up. Scott and I were in a meeting with the director of victim rights services on Thursday or something or Tuesday this week. And she talked about the difficulty of what victims of crime are living through right now. And she's the person that holds the purse strings to grant victims units all kinds of help, right? And she started to go through the system and how broken the system is and how frustrating it is for somebody who's really giving themselves to this work. But she's been in it for 27 years or something. She's not given up. She's standing firm. She's standing firm. We just told her. We thanked her. We blessed her. We said, you're awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. It matters in this world. But I got to tell you, this ain't heaven. And it's never going to get completely fixed here. But if the people of God keep showing up with the good news, with the kingdom of God, we can make a dent in it. We can turn it a little bit more right right? We have that power. And what is more important than anything is if you show up, they'll say, well, why do you care? Say, oh, let me tell you why I care. Because I I love Jesus. Jesus cares about you. And God cares that you're suffering. And God cares that the system is broken. And God wants to be with you in this difficulty. And God knows you're innocent, even though you've been accused of being guilty. Or God knows you were the victim of somebody who won't confess that they're guilty. God knows. God knows God's with you. And when the people of God can stand up in these ways, you know, we just have to ask ourselves, do we love truth? Do we value truth? Do we seek truth? Because again, Blaise Pascal, truth is so obscure in these times, centuries ago, and falsehood so established that unless we love the truth, we cannot know it. Unless we love truth, friends. I mean, it can be really inconvenient to love truth in a situation where somebody disagrees with you. Scott and I yesterday had lunch with a person who is, who is, re, uh, who is um, uh, very liberal in her politics, and we love her. She's not a bad person. And as she was saying some things that she wanted us to kind of get on board with her about, we just looked at her and we just said, it is a really unfortunate time, isn't it? This is a bad situation, isn't it? And I have to tell you that this person keeps coming back. And even though they don't believe in Jesus and they, they don't believe in, in the sanctity of life in the womb, they believe that Scott and I love them. So they're willing to keep having conversations with us. Because I don't put my army stuff on in the kitchen. 
But I do in the prayer closet before this person comes to my house every single time. And I say, God, how can I show up? How can I be with this person right now? So the first piece of armor, it is. It's the core piece of armor. It's the personal piece of armor. Think about what it's covering. The belt of truth. I mean, really, our most tender parts, our core. And oh, how we need it. It's because Jesus said, you will know the truth. The truth will make you free. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And if you really knew me, you would know the Father as well. From now on, you do know him. And you've seen him because you've seen him in me. This is Jesus talking to his guys, his homeboys, his disciples, his followers. And he's saying, I want you to know you've just, you've been talking to the truth. And if you'll listen to my words, you'll be free. It's amazing. Then Jesus makes this fabulous promise that when the spirit of truth comes, the spirit will guide you into all truth. How many of you have ever believed a lie? Just come on, straight up, don't lie. You have. And, and you know what? Some of the best days of my life is when God lifted the veil and I actually understood I just believed a lie. And now God is giving me the grace to see the truth, right? Oh my gosh, that's because God loves you. See, if people are never convicted that they believed a lie, they don't know Jesus at all. Because Jesus is always unwrapping it for you. It's like, yeah, you thought you were believing the truth. I know, I get it. I know, I know, I know. I know. You know, you've been deceived again, Claire. I know. You're my child. I love you. And now you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And will you stand firm in this truth? Will you stand up in this truth? Because God is truth. See, Second Chronicles 15, 3 and 4 says, For a long time Israel was without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. So this is back then. Now, I want to say to you, if you're a parent today, friends, be the teaching priest in your house. Talk to your children about the scripture. Pray with your children. Struggle with your adult children when they start struggling over passages. Struggle with them. God's not afraid of struggling with the scripture. Don't assume that everybody in the scripture did it the right way. I mean, it's a book of a bunch of mess if you haven't read it lately. It's all about ordinary people who make all kinds of really bad mistakes and how God keeps intervening, intervening with the great themes of Scripture. Justice, mercy, truth. Justice, mercy, truth. Let me help you. Justice, mercy, truth. I mean, you know, even when you think about the great ones, and some of you have heard me say this before, Solomon, the most wise man on earth, the dude had 600 wives and 300 concubines. How wise is that? Even the best people had flawed thinking, deceived thinking, right? We have slaveholders that love Jesus. We have people who abused others that loved God. They were deceived. They needed to find God. We don't make a doctrine and say, oh, well, because this guy had seven wives, let's just have big love. No, the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. God never intended anybody to have big love, right? Never intended that. And so when we start to hear people call evil good and good evil, my friends, just know that you got to show up in your prayer closet and begin to pray and say, God, how do you want me to be in this situation with these people? Because I know you want me to love them. You know, fear not, little flock. 
That's the way Jesus talked. Every time there's a divine encounter from heaven to earth, guess what the first words are? Fear not. When they're all trying to love God and they're sacrificing animals and God's going, and then he'll show up, you know, like he did with Abraham, three angels or the Trinity. We don't know. It's a mystery and say, you know, we just know that God's always showing up saying, I know you got it wrong, but let's open up the truth together today. And then I'm going to teach you how to be patient with people who are deceived And don't be mean to them. But when you come to church, do you want us preaching the truth or would you rather we just gave you a convenient truth? So here's what we want to say. Let's struggle over the scriptures together, right? Where do you do this? Where do you do it? Where, Where do you do it? You know, I can't talk about all that. I told Scott, oh my gosh, I have a month's worth on the belt of truth, but I have to stop now. 2 Corinthians 3, 6 says, Who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So don't go whack people with Scripture. And don't whack yourself with Scripture. But seek to uncover the truth together. Come let us reason together. Come let us respect each other. Let's have conversations about truth because you know what? I care about your eternal security, your eternal destiny, and I care about how God is with you now. So let's stand together. Truth will always exceed your expectations. It'll be dangerous. You will, I'm just saying, this is an inconvenient message because you'll say, okay, so if the truth sets me free, but this is a hard truth, how do I say, I know you've been scheming to hurt my family? Or I know this situation has been scheming to fire my friend. Whatever it is, apply, apply the truth wherever it is. You've got to know that you're entering dangerous territory when you start living by truth. And you start speaking truth to each other. And you actually show up to a Bible study or a small group so that we're not just preaching, you know, from here, but that we're actually looking at each other face to face and putting our feet under the table and saying, was that a hard, was, is that a hard scripture for you to live by? You know, is that a hard one? What does it really mean? You know, what is God trying to say to you through that scripture? Loved what you preached last week, Scott, about the good, you know, the rich young ruler and learning about God being good. And what God asked of that rich young ruler is not what he maybe he's asking of Bonnie, but, but what is God, how is God speaking through the scripture to us? Don't get stuck on the translation or the words. Get stuck on God who is truth and can reveal all truth through scripture through the great themes of scripture. Don't get stuck on one snapshot proof text and build a church on it. Or you'll have to die on that hill and it's not worth it. But what are the great themes of scripture and how could God be revealing God's self through sacred text and fallen people? I don't know if I could ever say that again. So I hope you heard whatever the spirit wanted to say to you. Because we read the sacred text about fallen people to discover the truth that God wants us to know on this day. So let's just pray together and say, God, let everything fall away 
except for what you want me to hear today? What one thing did you want me to hear? What one truth will set me free? I don't need to memorize these, all these words. What one thing did you say to me that could set me free? And if you don't know the answer to that, stay with God around it because God speaks. And then God, what inconvenient truth are you calling me to talk about with my friend, with my coworker, with my spouse, with my brother, my sister, my pastor? Stay with that question this week. God has something in you to bring to a a situation that is deceptive or lying. But then now I'm just going to ask you to be bold. Could you just lift your hands to God and say, God, teach me to pray. Teach me to pray in a way that is armored up, that I actually am praying in a way that moves your kingdom from heaven to earth. Teach me how to hear what's happening in heaven while I stand on earth at my job or in my kitchen or in the courtroom or wherever you are. God, teach us to pray. We want to learn. We want to keep knowing the God of truth. We want to actually have our old ways moved aside to open up to new truth in ways to pray. Teach us to pray, God, and show us when to pray. Like, are we morning prayers? Are we nighttime, noontime, all three? Fixed hour of prayer, like Peter and John, when they went and saw the guy with the limp. Teach us to pray, where to pray. And God, if we don't, if we we need a little help, God, show us the person that can tell us a good resource to help us keep moving because we have a short time on earth to bring your kingdom and I don't want to miss it and I don't want my friends to miss it and I don't want this church to miss it and while this world is in pain and we're in pain too we travail together we are in pain together over evil that has hurt so many people God, I am asking that we would long to be with the God of truth more than people of the lie, including ourselves. So may we cast down every imagination that exalts itself above the throne of grace. And may we be renewed by, we have our minds renewed today you would transform us, God, into the people that you dreamed of on this day. And let us keep moving forward into truth, we pray. In the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So God bless you guys. Let the truth set you free this week. Amen. You love me too? All right, or at least I'm trying. I'm trying to love you. I'm working on it.
God bless you guys. Have a great week.